Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. There's a lot going on at the moment in economic times. We've got interest rates creeping up. We've got the cost of living rises. There's a lot happening, right? Inflation, that's going wild. It's getting under control, but we are living in times that a lot of you may not have ever felt before or have been through. In the Facebook group, there was a question about, well, what happens if we hit a recession? So I thought I would just take the time today to talk with John Pigeon from My Millennial Property about recessions, depressions, high interest rates, inflation, and primarily how to recession-proof your life. And within all that, there is always chatter of a stock market correction, a stock market crash. But I want this episode today to be a cold shower on any negativity that you might hear and see out there in the media. We can control what we can control and we'll have a chat about it. This is a good PSA encouragement to stay calm. Now, a bit of housekeeping before we get into it. For those who have done the Glenn James spending plan, uh, you can log into the portal and there is now a downloadable workbook that goes with it of no extra cost. If you are new to the My Millennial Money world, there is a Glenn James spending plan which details 100% how to set up your budget to win and it now includes this document that you can download, you can print, you can put on your iPad and complete to complement that. Finally, we have launched Sort Your Career Out and Make More Money, our newest book. It is already a bestseller in the career category. Uh, Myself and Shell Johnson have released that. It's a great gift for someone if you want to support them with their career or if you want to make some changes yourself, that's available. But today, I better get into this podcast. It's a longer intro today. Let's talk about all this wild stuff that's going on being cool, being calm, being collected. I'm Glenn James. You're listening to My Millennial Money with John Pigeon from My Millennial Property. Okay, so as I said in my monologue at the start, there is a lot going on out there, right? Like interest rates are just increasing, increasing. We've just had the ninth consecutive rate increase. We've got inflation that's starting to peak and we can talk about that. But Natasha Lisa in the Facebook group, she put a a bit of a comment up and someone wrote, can you do a podcast episode out of that? And I pretty much went, here's your episode, nothing to see here, get on with it, Uh, which is all well and good. But I was actually thinking about that and I wanted to talk about it today. But Natasha said, so without everyone getting into politics, because we all have our views, can someone explain to me what will happen if we have a recession and how it will affect everyday life? Okay. So for those people that are old enough, like myself, we've been through a few of these recessions over the journey and we're still living proof that we survived through them. Glenn, what is a recession? The textbook case of a recession is two consecutive quarters of negative growth. Now, a quarter 
for those who might be new to this money thing is three months of the year. So you might have the March quarter, which is January, February, March, um, the June quarter, April, May, June, and so on. So two quarters that have negative growth. Now that negative growth could be minus 0.01%. So bugger all, could be negative 1%, could be negative 2%. Now, the thing that we have to understand is how do they measure negative growth? Well, GDP, which is the gross domestic product, they use GDP with the definition of growth of an economy. So the textbook definition of a recession is, and I'm reading here on Google, I've Googled the definition, everyone, this is important podcasting right here, a period of temporary economic decline during which trade and industrial activity are reduced, generally identified by a fall in GDP in two successive quarters. Now, what is GDP? The GDP or gross domestic product of a nation is an estimate of the total value of the goods and services it produces during a specific period, usually through a quarter, which is good to know, its greatest use is at a point of comparison. Did the nation's economy grow or contract compared to the previous period measured? Now, I'm just reading this definition from Investopedia. So a couple of things that I want to point out there, it's an estimation of goods and services, right, John? So we had a recession for 10 minutes during COVID, right? There was that quarter that there was a slight decrease. And as I said just before, if it has been a very small drop, Textbook says recession, but you probably won't feel it in your everyday life. I honestly believe, and this is why we wanted to do this episode today, just to talk about this stuff, because we know fear and greed is what drives human emotions. And we know, John, what do they want to sell on the news? They want to sell bad news stories. They want to sell, oh my gosh, this happened. This is bad news. Because remember, no news is good news. So, you know, interest rates increasing. We've got a news cycle recession, it's going to happen. And we'll talk about depression and what that is as well. And we will talk about inflation. But I just wanted to kind of open the discussion to say, absolutely, there are textbook definitions of things. But the problem with textbook cases is they belong in the textbook. And it can sometimes differ between the real world, right, John? Absolutely. And it's got to be taken in real time, doesn't it? Like we go back to say 1990 and the standard variable rate for lending money was 14% for, for home loans, right? Inflation at that time was 7%, which is basically give or take what it is now, right? But interest rates aren't 14% and they won't get to 14%. Uh, um, they, it gets to a stage where people stop spending to keep inflation under control and then we go back to normal again. Like it's, it's, uh, it's a new version every time, isn't it? Yeah. And, and that's kind of what I want to be here to say today is that I don't think it helps your own life or your family's life if you're making decisions out of fear. And we're going to talk about some ways how to recession-proof your life and uh, inflation-proof your life. But when you hear of these words recession, you probably didn't feel anything day on day during COVID in addition to, you know, the struggles that we may have had with, you know, if you're out of work or whatnot. So just carving out that stuff. But if you've maintained your job over the last couple of years and you're in a good industry, you're in a, you've got a good employer, 
the whole recession thing, you probably will not feel it on a day-to-day. Also, it's worth noting that when we hear this stuff in the media, it's always lagged. For example, we don't even have the December quarter GDP figures released from the Australian Bureau of Statistics. We know that in December last year, they released the uh, GDP for the September quarter, which was 0.8%. However, a standard GDP growth for a developed economy is considered to be between 1% and 3%, but it can obviously vary depending on the country, the economic conditions, and all that stuff. So what I'm saying is it's a lagged indicator that we can't have rule our life too much. Now, I've said this before, life's a bell curve, but there's of course going to be outliers to everything. Unfortunately, if there is a a recession that is prolonged and maybe it's a year's worth of negative growth or three quarters worth of negative growth, there could be a marker in the economy, whether it is exports that have tipped that uh, data into recession. And if you happen to work for an exporter, you may have reduced hours, reduced work, or, you know, and we've seen this in the tech industry at the moment, like, you know, all through COVID, we saw that all the tech companies, Microsoft were putting on people, Zoom were putting on people, all these big tech companies were Facebook, Meta, like employing more people. The pendulum will always come back to a relatively normal state, right? Because you can't always have constant growth and you can't always have constant ungrowth. What's the negativity? Constant Negative growth. <laughs> Sorry, everyone. <laughs> Negative growth, yeah, ungrowth. I've, I'm actually um, a little bit under the weather, everyone. Uh, yeah, so this is the whole point. Life's a bell curve and I don't want you to live in fear when you hear this stuff about recession. Of course, we need to sympathise for those who may be in an industry that is contracting Of course, we need to sympathise with those who have been made redundant, but we can't make decisions in our life based on fear because when has that ever worked out, making a decision based on fear? Mm. And I think people need to think about, well, if if we do go into a recession, uh, you're right, it's fear-mongering. What does that actually mean for us? Like the term or, or the definition is two consecutive quarters of negative growth, but have you had two consecutive quarters of negative growth in your life? Like what's your cash flow situation like? How much are you spending? What you what can you control more so? Because whether the government or, or the the country is in a recession or not, has you, you can't have any bearing on. Yeah, and we know that, you know, this bell curve thing, there are people on the other side of that bell curve that in bad economic times have done really well. Like think if you were in, uh, if you had a laboratory or you did blood tests or swabs and all that stuff during COVID, you would have done extremely well. Like everything that you hear, and John talks about it all the time. And this is a this is a bit of a like come around the campfire, everyone. Let's just have a real talk. Yeah. Uh, and particularly if you are new to the podcast, it might not be that helpful. But this is just for those who listen week on week and might be worried. This is you know. Johnny and Glennie just having a bit of a a chat, some real talk that it's never as bad as it seems and it's never as worse as it feels. It's never worse. (laughs) What's the saying? 
Yeah, so John says it's never as bad as it seems and it's never as good as it seems. <laughs> yeah, whatever the saying is. So, I, I, and I just want to like, so what happens is a recession leads to a depression and I think we're light years away from a depression but I just want to cover it for um, completeness. What is a depression? A depression is a severe and prolonged downturn in economic activity. In economics, a depression is commonly defined as an extreme recession that lasts three years or more which leads to a decline in real GDP of at least 10% in a given year. Depressions are relatively less frequent than milder recessions and tends to be accompanied by high unemployment and low inflation. So two reasons why you don't need to live in fear at the moment because the textbook definition of this depression is prolonged recession or prolonged quarters of negative growth. We're nowhere near that. And number two, we've got high inflation, so we're on the other side of the coin, that, that's a problem, and we've got low unemployment, not high unemployment. So what we need to say is, and I've done a lot of media in the last couple of weeks when these rate increases are happening, if it hasn't been apparent over the last 15 minutes of me talking, I'm not an economist. But I know one thing, I'm someone that can encourage you to take control with the things that you can control. You can't control China, whether they want to turn on or turn off imports from Australia. You can't control what they want to import, but you can control how you run and manage your own life. And that's what personal finance is about. Interesting how uh, low inflation is associated with a depression. Yeah. Because essentially when there's low inflation, people aren't overspending, so to speak. The depression is generally not in individual lives, is it? Or they're they saying we're reining it in uh, through fear of, of um, maybe get, increasing our coffers. Yeah, and so the reason why low inflation is really bad for an economy is because if you're a business and you borrow money to invest in new businesses or growth or whatnot, if you borrow money... You want that money to be worth less over time with the inflation. So if I borrow $100,000 today, in three years' time with inflation, that capital that I've borrowed should be worth less. So I'm happy as a – and I'm talking big business here, guys. Mm. I'm happy to borrow money and invest it into the economy. But if there's no or like if there's no inflation, why would I bother taking that risk? Because I'm still going to be carrying that capital – and, you know, John and I know enough to be dangerous when it comes to economics. Like I'm, I know enough to be dangerous when it comes to aviation. I know you get a jet, you turn the thrusters on, you go fast and then lift occurs. I don't know the inner workings of a jet engine. So these are, and this is why we just want to talk about concepts and just to get you thinking about these broad concepts and not to worry too much because there is a lot of worry out there and I just want to really um, say that we just must control what we need to control. So before we go to the individual effects, I want to talk about inflation. Now, John, we know inflation is 7.8% uh, at the end of December, right? Which is crazy. The Reserve Bank of Australia, they really want to target inflation at like 2 to 3%. That's their yeah. target. The 55-year average, as I was researching today, is, is just over 3%. Yeah. So we know that that's a target 
And what happens with an economy when you want to slow down an economy, like a really fast car that needs to slow down before it crashes, you need to throw the brakes on. With an economy, if things are happening too fast, oh my gosh, inflation, things are just going really fast. We have to slow it down. And that's why the Reserve Bank of Australia makes money more expensive. So people will borrow less and put into the economy effectively. Now, there is an impact on home prices and we can we can get to that as well. But the reason I want to swing this comment back to we can't live in fear of the things that we hear on the news or in the media or in our Instagram feeds, because if you go to the ABS website, Australian Bureau of Statistics, look at the ABS data from the December quarter inflation numbers, a couple of things stood out to me. And this is on there in everyday English, guys. In the December quarter, the CPI rose 1.9%. And, you know, John talks about live data. Like we can't be too stressed about all these announcements because they're a month old. But get this, the most significant price rises were domestic holiday and travel accommodation of 13.3%. So there has been a bounce back of people now traveling with their family flight prices are starting to settle a little bit. Everyone's holidaying in Australia more. Everyone's getting out there post-COVID. So if you weren't traveling domestically or paying for accommodation, uh, as in hotels or campsites and all that in Australia over the December quarter, you probably weren't impacted like the big numbers say you were. Another thing that impacted it was international holiday travel and accommodation, 7.6% new dwelling purchases by owner-occupiers, those prices increased. The one thing that did impact everyone was electricity at an 8.6% increase. So our take on that is don't go to fear when you hear these headline numbers because if you weren't holidaying in December, if you weren't buying a new home in December, and if you're buying lots of vegetables because those prices actually decreased, you may not have noticed this scary inflation number. Now, I'm not saying this stuff, you know, with that toxic positivity that, you know, I'm guilty of doing to my own thought processes and, you know, it could be worse and all that stuff. But I just legitimately want to say, you've just got to look at the underlying thing. And it goes back to the top of the question when that person said, how will it affect me if a recession happens? It might not in this developed modern society called Australia for a lot of people. Yeah. And it, and it really affects you dependent on your lifestyle, doesn't it? Like as you mentioned, if if you didn't intend to go and travel and find accommodation on a holiday, it's less affecting than if you were just concentrating on going for a holiday for, for the next three months. Um, petrol, food, electricity, they're all non-discretional items that we need in our life. So if if they're all going up, then we've all collectively got an issue together, haven't we? Yeah, absolutely. And and we'll get in the community segment of some things that people are doing to control what they can control because we know when times are good, you're not going to focus as much on costs. But when things start to tighten up, that's when you need to pay attention. Now, before we get into recession-proofing our life, in the title of the episode, you know, there was a little bit of clickbait around this whole market crash thing. There was another question in the Facebook group Someone said, with the impending market crash, should I be investing? And what I want to kind of just say is markets react 
differently to economic data. And I'm painting a very broad brush at the moment. And what I mean by that is when things are happening in an economy, markets will already have factored in that cost. So sometimes when there is an inflation announcement with stock markets, whether it's in Australia or the US, the market doesn't move that much. The needle doesn't move. And the reason why is because the market has factored this in already. Because as John said, all this data we're talking about isn't in real time, but markets trade in real time. So it's really important to know when you hear language about impending market crash and market crash, I want you to do a couple of things. Go and have a look at the giant V that happened when COVID really struck. There was a big sell-off in stock markets, okay? So people sold off stuff. What causes share prices to drop is people wanting to pay less for them. It's supply and demand. So if there's more sellers than buyers, the price of something drops. If there's more buyers than sellers, the price of something increases. So when the COVID big thing happened, oh crap, I'm not buying anything at the moment. There's a pandemic, which means less buyers, markets correlated. Then what happened was share prices indices are really cheap. We all kind of got used to the new norm and COVID and all that stuff. And then there was the buyers that came into the market and increased share prices. So if you have a look, you know, that is an example in the last couple of years of a quote unquote crash. Now we do know one thing by history. And I believe, you know, John, where they say past performance isn't an example or a reliable indicator of future performance. I think it kind of is for a lot of things. It's a pretty good starting point, isn't it? Like we know on balance that if there's a big market sell-off, markets have recovered. In my lifetime, I haven't seen markets return to the levels of the Great Depression. No. I haven't seen markets return to the last, even in the last 10 years, to the levels of the global financial crisis. So any of this language about market crash, you need to ignore it and go back to your own investment strategy. If you have cash that you're not using in your life today, and you do want to commit that to the long term, you can just keep investing weekly or monthly. And we know if share prices drop, John, and we're buying that week or that month, we're getting a good deal. And when we talk about the word market or markets, there's, there's so many markets within markets. So in property world, there's unit markets, housing markets, there's different suburb markets, there's different city markets, right? In, this, in the share market, same thing occurs, right? Yeah. So a, a real-time example of that, if you look at um, listed property trusts and Vanguard have one called uh, the Vanguard Australian Property Trust, and that's an aggregate of a whole heap of different companies that are listed and they own property. So the big office buildings, right? That is not going to recover as fast as a digital tech company during COVID because COVID hit, ah, everyone's freaking out. Oh my gosh. Oh, things are getting back to normal. Well, we'll continue buying Metastock. We'll continue buying Apple. We'll buy Zoom shares. Well, we might not buy commercial property because people might not be in the office for a few years. So we're only now starting to see, even I think the last six months, the VAP fund has had like a 30% increase. Yeah. Just because things are starting to get back to normal. So 
I just can't stress enough with our investing, with our life decisions and with the information that we are hearing. And I know I'm part of the problem, quote unquote, because I'm an information source, but I just want this information source to be that you just have to look under the hood of what the headline figures are and not make decisions based on fear, not make decisions based on greed. And then also make sure you're always, particularly in terms of investing, make sure you're always diversifying. So you're not just buying tech stocks because the people who are invested in Spaceship, they know what it's like to have tech only. Yeah, absolutely. And and just understanding what you control is the big takeaway through these times or, or any times really. Like, And we, we, we don't try and pick the markets and we do get it wrong from time to time, but just own what you have in your backyard. Yeah. So in terms of market crash, could the market have a sharp decline tomorrow? Yep, absolutely. There could be a worldwide event that causes a whole heap of panic and chaos. Absolutely. But is the market going to crash tomorrow or have a sharp decline tomorrow because there might be some higher inflation numbers, some higher interest rate rises? Well, there might be some little moves, but a lot of this crap has been priced into the market already. So take that for what you will. We'll have a quick break and then we're going to come back and talk about how to recession-proof your life and how to inflation-proof your life. And I hope it's encouraging for you. If you're after personal financial advice, don't get it from a podcast. If you would like help based on your own personal situation, head over to sortyourmoneyout.com. Click get help and we'd be happy to introduce you to one of our trusted advisors. Our panel of advisors, mortgage brokers and accountants work with clients all over Australia so they can connect with you wherever you are. That's sortyourmoneyout.com and click get help. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Okay, we are back and we are doing the community segment of the week where we read your responses from the Facebook group. This segment is brought to you by Sky. You've told us that one of the big priorities in 2023 is to get your life and income insurances sorted to protect what matters most. Now, I'm just here to announce that Sky Wealth have a free webinar 
for existing clients if you want to refresh, or if you are thinking about getting some insurance in your life, or perhaps you've got a young family, we'll put a link in the show notes just for today only. It's next week, Tuesday, the 21st of February at 7 p.m. Sydney time, and it's a webinar, Young Families and Life Insurance, What You Need to Know, hosted by Phil Thompson and Azari Bell from Skywell. So if you've already got your insurances sorted and you want a bit of a refresher, jump in, learn, ask questions. If you are starting a family or you don't have any insurance sorted, make sure you protect what matters most and that is your income and your livelihood. Now, John, we asked the group, how are you managing cost of living pressures? Okay, so Michelle Williamson says, no change in spending, it's more less money for investing and adding to super. That's an interesting one. So when I talk about we've got budget levers to pull, John, you've really only got so much money that comes in the door, right? Yeah. And to tweak your budget, you need more income. You need to save less. You need to cut a category or reduce a category. So Michelle's gone, I've actually decided I want to maintain my current lifestyle Mm. and it just means I'm adding less for future me at the moment. Cut my wealth creation for future, yeah. Uh, mm. Kat Dundon says extra income. Yeah, that's been a little a common thread there because Nikita said working in hospital on Saturday nights around annoyingly drunk people and almost calling in sick every Monday. Yeah, so that's that common theme and we, we have seen that in the group. There's another one here from Tina, John. What's Tina saying? Yeah, she said negotiated pay rise, had my minimum number of 10% or prepared to walk, found another job. So, yeah, it's um, sometimes it's easier said than done depending on what industry you're in, isn't it? Mm. Amy said, I've noticed I've changed some of my grocery buying habits. Instead of buying the $9 muesli, I've switched to the $3 muesli. Ooh. You know, she's also become an Aldi convert. But this is the whole thing. When we control what we can control, I can't control the economy. I can't control fiscal and monetary policy to a point, yeah. but I can get micro in my day on day. Yeah, totally. And, and what you mentioned at the start about is it fear or do I actually need to cut back? Uh, understand what you're spending as well is critical. Okay, Jell says low buy year, only spent $25 in January on things, but don't ask regarding eating out. Currently on sabbatical from work without pay and studying, so the purse strings are a bit tighter. Also just bought an investment property, but thank God new tenant moves in in a week because that interest is an absolute killer. Well done, Jell. Wow, lots happening there. Yeah. <laughs> take take a time off without pay and um, Buy a house. try and yeah get a house just before that happens. Yeah. Uh, Debbie Greenwood said she's got a new job with a pay rise, uh, but has become very budget conscious at the supermarket. So these are the three things that I'm seeing in this. It's the supermarket income or work and actually just paying attention to the micro. Yeah, that's right. It's looking at it with uh, with bigger eyes, isn't it? Yeah. Kylie says coffee's made at home. Yeah, I, I do that, but then I want to buy one out. Mm. Minimal takeaway, homemade work lunches, uh, using the more economical car as our weekend car instead of the diesel Hilux. Mm. The diesel sounds better though, doesn't it? Yes. Uh, and let's finish up with P of N, COVID and bulk meal prep, keeping my meal cost to about $2 a meal. Well, that's flipping amazing. That using discounted gift cards for essentials like groceries, petrol. She's also been using Woolworths and RECV discount plus paying with the discount cards to get uh, leader discounts. Yeah. 
Yeah, so it's really understanding are we are we saving this money or are we making cost cutting methods to to actually survive or are we saving money to cutting back on things to actually save money? Yeah. Uh, understanding there's a difference between the two. Uh, Charlotte Jane's in finishing said, not buying new clothes. Uh, she has a work uniform, so I have lots of clothes in my wardrobe that don't really get worn. Spending within my values and not spending on things not aligned to my values. Uh, she's also increasing income, negotiating a pay rise. I also have a role where I can earn commission each fortnight, so putting commission straight towards savings. Uh, she automates her expenses. She sticks to her budget eating what's in my fridge and freezer before buying more groceries. Yes. And she got solar installed last year. So lots going on there. And we just want to say that a lot of this content that we do is from the Facebook group. And we can't do this podcast without the community of listeners who um, who really lean in and help us make really good talking points and discussion points. So we'll bump out of the community segment. Thanks so much, everyone. And this segment is brought to you by Sky Wealth. You can check out the Young Families and Life Insurance webinar, which is sky.com.au forward slash webinar. And there'll be a link in the show notes. So John, we've talked about these high level things and we've talked about what some of um, our listeners have been doing out there. I see a couple of things when we talk about recession-proofing our life and inflation-proofing our life. Do you want to maybe talk about some thoughts that you have? Because for me, the recession-proof is a bit more longer-term, big-ticket, strategic things, where the inflation-proof, that's the day-on-day. Like that's the, okay, this bill's increased, that bill's increased. Um, I bought an avocado the other day and it was $4 for the avocado. Is it good? Yeah, it was awesome. Yeah, awesome. It's, but it's just, I didn't know that because sometimes when I go shopping, like I just ran in and got one avocado. It yeah. really stood out to me. Yeah. But usually it's just in the grocery and then they say, okay, you left kidney and then you can go. So I don't usually notice the, um, the cost of some things, but some things are just really expensive. So that inflation thing is the day-on-day tactile mm. and tactical and the recession is this high level, what are you doing with your life thing? So, yeah, it's a combination, isn't it? Like, it, it, it's a combination of uh, understanding you can change little bits and pieces here and there to, to save some things and uh, to get our way through that. But it, it's really what's going on between the ears and, and understanding is it, uh, are we acting out of fear or reacting out of logic? And, there's no doubt that we need to have no, – nothing changes, does it? Like we've been doing this for five years. The, mm. the fundamentals are still the same and will remain to be the same, the emergency buffers and, and a savings plan, those things. Now, the savings plan might have taken a hit. That's cool. We get that. Um, we just need to adjust. And they're those little things that we're talking about in the community segment. But in terms of inflation proofing, we need to be continually on the ball in that space. So we need to be – investing, we need to be increasing our income, uh, we need to be upskilling, we need to be continually taking action to stay ahead of the curve in that space. A combination of both those things, uh, I think we'll be okay. Well, I know we'll be okay. Yeah, I want to probably say my biggest tips to recession-proof your life, you touched on it. To be honest, we have been doing this a long time, John, but I honestly think as well there's no, John Howard said once, a former Prime Minister of Australia, you don't have to be alarmed, just be alert. Mm. 
And when we did start this podcast, John, interest rates were low, inflation was good, everything was humming along, there was no real issues, there was no war. There was, like this time, I think it is different a little bit. And not to contradict you too much because the stuff that we say is the same, but the scenario that we are in is actually different. So we just have to be alert and not alarmed. So we know that there's co- like real, because, co- and this is probably the first kind of year or so within the podcast journey, John, where there has been legitimate cost issues, cost of living issues and the rental crisis. It's so crazy. I saw a thing on TikTok a couple of weeks ago. There was like 40 people lining up for an apartment. Like this is ridiculous. So what I want you to do, you need to drop absolutely everything if you are wanting to recession-proof your life. And what I mean by that is if you do have a hiccup, it's not a ma- it doesn't mean it's a major inconvenience on your life. So I'll give you an example. You work for an exporter to China, one of our biggest um, trade partners. There's a policy change with China. It means you're out of your job. I want you to make sure that is not a catastrophe. It's a hiccup. And to do that, it's that 101 emergency fund. Stop your investing. Stop your salary sacrifice to super temporarily. Stop paying more on your mortgage. Stop paying extra on your credit card repayments. I want you to stop everything. If you do not have an emergency fund and you need to have some type of target, whether it's three months worth of expenses, and we might do an episode next week just on emergency funds if you're keen for that, John. But that there, that will help if you are caught in an industry and you lose your job, that that is a hiccup not a catastrophe because we know the unemployment rate is still about 3.5, maybe moving to 4.5. Anything under 5% is considered basically full employment. We've seen posts after post after post in the Facebook group of people getting jobs, people getting pay rises. So it's almost like, they, remember that two-speed economy when they were talking about the normal economy and then the mining boom and all that? Well, there's almost two things out, out there happening. You know, heaps of people getting smashing results with their income and their career and their life. Now other people can't get into the next rental property. So I just want to encourage everyone, press pause on all your investing, everything extra until you build up that emergency fund, because that is the buffer between you and life. And this will affect the next tip that I've got. Two things, and this is like very vibey of me, but you need to be immune to negative vibes. And the best way to be immune to negative vibes is to make sure your mental health and your physical health is in order because we just don't want that inconvenience or that news story or that bit of fear to tip you over. If you're healthy mentally and you are strong, there's less chance of a bad news story or the next breaking news of something happening around the world and jobs and all that having an emergency fund and being mentally well will help you. Yeah, no, great point. And I would add to that in saying that also involves team of people and who you surround yourself with to know that uh, you you are getting those positive vibes and that reinforcement. Uh, I mean, my brother rang me this morning and he's like, oh, I saw this on the TV about uh, property prices. I'm like, yeah, well, that's great. He loves telling me those stories, but it's not factual and it's not – 
part of what is the general makeup for most of the country. Yeah. So they're kind of my two big points. The third point, continue to work on not your job, but on your career. I just had a call with uh, Shell and a, another journalist before because we are in book launch mode. Shell's talking about make sure with your if you're happy in your job, awesome, love that. If you're happy in your career, awesome, love that. Just make sure you've got networks around you of people. Don't work in a silo. Get on LinkedIn, get connected, join industry associations. We've got events that are happening now. Continue your professional network because if catastrophe did strike at your current workplace, it's too late to start to build relationships that could take six months or a year in networks. So keep your career and your job as a, a living thing in your life and always give it maintenance. I want you to also, as another point, pay attention to trends. Now, an example would be how to recession-proof your life. Well, I'm going to be honest. There are some jobs that will not be around in 10 years. There are some jobs that will not be around in five years. This comment about looking at trends is more about, I don't want you to wake up tomorrow and go, you know what I'm going to do, John? I'm going to open a DVD rental shop. Going to do it, John. Absolutely. It's too late. You've got to be present with trends. You know, don't dig your head in the sand. It's that dancing act, isn't it? Don't spend your day watching Fox News or CNN, living in fear, but also make sure you know what's going on in the world around you. It's the whole fire extinguisher thing, right? You've got to have a fire extinguisher in your life, whatever that is, whether it is the emergency fund, whether it is I'm at physical or mental health or it's good. And I know, you know, I've got health issues, a few people do, but on balance, I'm, I'm not ignoring it. I'm, mm. you know, it's a process and all that. I'm aware of it. Your job, you've got your networks because a fire extinguisher, you know, I've got one in my kitchen. If there's a fire in my kitchen, actually, I don't, I'll tell you where it's, it's, it's actually in the laundry. I'll tell you why in a sec. But like when there's a fire in the kitchen or a fire in your home, it's too late to go out and buy an extinguisher. <laughs> you need it and you need it right now. So these things like with paying attention to trends, focusing on your career and job, your emergency fund, that is your fire extinguisher. Because when you get made redundant because you're in a fringe industry that booms and busts and all that, you don't have time to spend six months. You're going to frantic panic mode. And that stuff is what will actually decimate your finances and your savings. And that's why we always need to live an active life. We always need to live an agile life that we can adapt, that we can change. Whatever your fire extinguisher is, someone might say, oh, Glenn, my fire extinguisher is I'm always fit to run a marathon because that's my metric of I know I'm healthy. Like what's what would a fire extinguisher in your life be, John? I think uh, I made the comment before about in between the ears, like the, the fire extinguisher can be in your mind, can't it? To yeah, say, well, a sound mindset, yeah. Yeah, is to get yourself through with that positive reinforcement, with that attitude and with that can-do type approach. Um, mm. It doesn't have to be necessarily anything physical. Yeah, and there's, a, there's an opportunity cost with some fire extinguishers, right? Mm. Like the reason the fire extinguisher is near the laundry or 
a doorway in a lot of homes is because the theory is with five people, and there's heaps of five people that listen to this in fire safety, you want to evacuate the house, quote unquote, then once everyone's accounted for, you go back in, grab the fire extinguisher at the door, then go back in and fight the fire. That's kind of the the loose logic. Um, but there's an opportunity cost with having a fire extinguisher in your life, John. So maybe in your uh, living area or your laundry or wherever the fire extinguisher is, you can't hang up something nice on that wall because there's a fire extinguisher there. So you're acknowledging an opportunity cost. And for me, a fire extinguisher in my life, because I've got uh, a team of people that I employ, I don't have a fixed or set type of business revenue, like all our show sponsors could go get stuffed overnight. And thank you for sponsoring the podcast, everyone. Um, The fire extinguisher for Glenn James that gives me that mental and emotional comfort is having an emergency fund probably double than what a textbook would say. Now, being cashed up, that's a big opportunity cost because we can move into the inflation proof, like that money's technically being eroded a little bit. There's the opportunity cost of I can't invest that extra money. So inflation proof your life. We've done the big stuff. I think it, it really is inflation, increased inflation in a, a functioning economy is temporary. So to inflation proof your life, it is actually paying attention to the day on day micro things. Because one quarter inflation could be coming from your school holiday trip around Australia. And we know that data from December. But the next quarter, you're not traveling, but you are buying something else and that price is inflated. So to inflation proof your life, it really is having a lean and agile budget and doing all the big things about recession proof, right? Yeah, it's interesting though. Like you need to be, like people trip themselves up uh, usually through fault of their own and they haven't had a real good uh, deep dive into their finances to understand what's going on and as a result of that, it's just uh, living life as as per normal and it's it's all of a sudden it's the whole f- f- um, feather brick truck like the feather there scratches your nose the brick hits you in the in the in the chin and then the truck runs you over like and and it's like well poor old me what happened I think that's the it comes back to planning long-term, but also knowing what's going on right now. Yeah. So, yeah, I think realistically, if you are doing those big ticket items in terms of recession-proof, the inflation stuff will take care of itself, but it needs weekly and daily attention. Mm. But also that some big rocks in your life, like you're not spending more than 30, 35 max percent of your net take-home income on mortgage or rent, if possible. Now, there could be a squeeze where you might have to for the short term, but long term, that's not going to help you. No, unless your income is is increasing at a rate of knots. That's right. So, look, we'll leave it there. John's got to go. Sorry for keeping you, John. Um, (laughs) And we just want to keep this going. Ignore the headline noise. It's not as bad as it seems. You are in control. Absolutely. I've enjoyed listening to you, Glenn. Yeah, why am I? I'm like, I'm not doing too well today. I, I need some help. And I think you're being distracted. Do you know why I think you're being distracted? Why? Because 
you're being distracted because today, Tuesday the 14th, when this goes live, it's Valentine's <laughs> no Day, and no you're way. thinking, where am I taking Amy tonight? No, that is definitely not the case. All right, friends, happy Valentine's Day. We'll be back same time, same place next week. I'm Glenn James, and this guy is... John Pigeon. Thanks, friends. See you later. We acknowledge the Awabakal people, traditional custodians of the land on which our studio sits, and pay respects to their elders past, present and emerging. We extend that respect to Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples who may listen to our podcast. My Millennial Money supports a variety of charities, and we encourage you to consider giving as part of your overall financial strategy. If you would like some giving options, or if you're unsure about which charity you can support, head to mymillennial.money forward slash charities for more info. This podcast is for education and entertainment purposes. Any advice is general financial advice only, which does not take into account your objectives, financial situation, or needs. Because of that, you should consider if the advice is appropriate to you and your needs before acting on the information. If you do choose to buy a financial product, read the product disclosure statement, target market determination, and obtain appropriate financial advice tailored to your needs. Simo Interactive Proprietary Limited, the publisher of the podcast, and Glenn James are authorized representatives of Money Sherpa Proprietary Limited, which holds financial services license 451289. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade.